Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 28 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SBNation.com. My name is Mark Schofield, here in the big chair, the host of your, well, one of your, I wouldn't even say favorite, just one of your more enjoyable Patriots podcasts. How about that? But I'm happy to be back in the big chair for episode 28, coming to you on Wednesday October 16th, and we got a loaded show for you today. The Senator, we got a campaign stop. Senator Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, he's going to come by for some quality time. We covered a lot of ground. We're also going to talk, look, obviously we got some Michael Bennett news. We got Nikhil Harry back in the fall practicing with the team, so that's good. We're even going to take a look at Sam Darnold, mono-free Sammy D. That's how I'm kind of describing him this week. I'm going to have a piece on him for Pat's Pulpit a little bit later this week. But I did want to sort of dive into some of what he showed on tape against Dallas in his first game back. Because let's face it, it's Jets week. But before we do any of that, your usual reminders here at the start. Please do follow along with the hijinks over on the Twitter machine at Mark Schofield. Check out the work variety of places for you inside the pylon. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Pro Football Weekly. And yes, that trio of SB Nation websites. Big Blue View bleeding green nation where i co-host the qb skill show and some of you i know listen to that show and of course pat's pulpit where you can find this show and all the great work we're doing both at the pulpit and the pulpit podcast network speaking of the pppn as i've come to call it we debuted a new show for jets week that came out on monday i know some of you checked it out it's from yours truly pulpit playback and we started it off with a look back at A Thanksgiving night in November of 2012, as many of you were settling in to watch football after a day with the family, a day with, you know, the turkey and the stuffing and the trimmings and all that good stuff, you got a a chance to watch a football game. And it was the Jets, it was the Patriots, and it was a game between two AFC East rivals, but a game which will obviously be remembered for much more than that. That's right, I'm talking about the butt fumble game. So I debuted Pulpit Playback, you can check it out. On Pat's Pulpit, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, you can check out Pulpit Playback Episode 1. It's me doing a deep dive into the butt fumble game. I'm going to roll out a couple of these throughout the season. We're going to have one for the Ravens game um, in a couple of weeks. When we when we square off against the Eagles after the bye, we're going to have crossover extraordinaire because I'll let you in on a little bit of a little bit something, something, friends. I started doing shows like this over at... 
locked on where I would look back at stuff. I did the Super Bowl Revisited series. And my good friend, Michael Kist, he, when he left Locked On Eagles to go to Bleeding Green Nation, he co- sort of took that idea and ran with it a bit. And now over at BGN, they have BGN Memories. And so, in a way, they stole my idea, but it's okay because they do great stuff over there. Obviously, I host a show over there, so I, I would agree. They do good stuff. So, there will be a crossover BGN Memories pulpit playback show. We're going to talk about the two Super Bowls between these teams, myself, Michael Kist, maybe Ben Solak. It'll be a lot of fun. So, I just wanted to remind everybody about pulpit playback. Get a chance. Check it out. Check out the first installment with me. If you haven't heard it already, if you had heard it already, listen to it again because it's fun. Also, I did want to remind everybody, please do, if you can, I know it's annoying when I ask, leave a review for the show. Five stars, would love to see them. Four, three, two, one, whatever. Just leave a review. It does help. Let's talk some news here briefly. The Michael Bennett situation. Now, facing a one-game suspension. And just to pull the curtain back a bit, as I said, Phil Perry is going to come on here in a few minutes for some quality time. We recorded this show Tuesday morning. We had a discussion about Michael Bennett. We had a listener question from Mattia Rizzo, all the way from Italy. Mattia always sends in questions via the Scotia Slack channel. Always love getting his requests in. Always great questions that he turns in. And so we talk about the Michael Bennett situation. And interestingly enough, again, since we recorded it Tuesday morning, it was before the Michael Bennett news. But as you'll hear from Phil in a minute, he had some concerns about Bennett and his place on the roster. And we learned that on Friday... There was a disagreement with his position coach, is how it's being phrased by Bennett. And now he's serving a one-game suspension. He was not spot of the practice. That got people wondering. And as you'll hear from Phil in a second, you can look at his snap count, his usage over his time in New England so far. Week one, he was basically a starter. Phil's going to have the numbers for you in a minute. Basically played 11 in the first 13 snaps. And it's kind of been downhill over there. And... It's interesting because I think a lot of people expected that he was going to play a big role for this team. I thought I was on a show um, on Monday night. It came out on Tuesday where I was asked about Bennett, and I thought it was sort of a veteran managing the snap count type of situation with him. They know what he's going to bring to the table in terms of being a pass rusher down the stretch in the second half of the season up against the Lamar Jacksons and Carson Wentz's and Dak Prescott's and Patrick Mahomes's of the world. And you're going to see again Josh Allen one more time too. And so my thought was they know what he can do, manage his snap counts in the first half of the season, let him get after it in the second half of the season, lean on him more as you get into the playoffs. Apparently I was wrong. Shocker. So now we wonder about where his head is at coming back from this suspension, out coming out of this altercation. So one more situation to sort of keep in mind here as the Patriots look ahead to the Jets. Did get some good news in, in terms of personnel coming back and kill Harry back practicing with the team. Again, going to talk to Phil Perry in a moment about Nikhil Harry and what he can sort of bring to the table. But for an offense that, let's face it, could use a boost on the outside, could use a boost in the receiving core, especially with Philip Dorsett dinged up, Josh Gordon dinged up. It's nice to get Nikhil Harry back. And Phil's going to make a great analogy in a moment about the acquisition of Josh Gordon last year and how 
he probably wasn't up to speed, but they still were able to get him involved, have a package of plays and a package of routes that he could run and be productive for this offense doing limited stuff. You have to think in some sense, Nikhil Harry, probably ahead of the game, you know, given the fact that he's been with this team for longer than, say, Gordon was at this time last year when he was acquired. And so you can imagine they will be able to get him worked into the offensive system relatively easily, get him up to speed, have him doing a handful of routes, handful of plays, so to speak, and just let him be creative after the catch, so to speak. I used so to speak there a couple of times in a row. Got to be better. What can I say? I'm a bit rusty. It's been a while since I've done a show. But it's good to get Nikhil Harry back. As for what we face in a mono-free Sammy D, I'm going to spend some more time on him in tomorrow's show. We'll have Connor Rogers on as well from Stick to Football to talk about what to expect with Sam Donald. But I did want to just quickly run through initial impressions after ripping through the tape of his game against Dallas and talk about one concept in particular that the Patriots need to be wary of. I was impressed with Donald, and I've been impressed with Donald over the past, say, six or seven games that he's played. Interestingly enough, I woke up Tuesday morning, got a great Twitter DM from at Patriots, S-B-L-I-I-I-I, at Patriots Super Bowl uh, 53, great Patriots account, reached out. He had just gotten done watching Sam Donald, came away impressed. Uh, I was wondering how people felt about him sort of in the evaluation world pre-draft, but, you know, he saw a lot on film, which... I saw when I, when I watched Arnold as well against Dallas, moves well in the pocket. And that was something that you could see from him dating back to USC. And he showed it. He had, late in the game, they had a drive to get their final points, the field goal. But to kick off that drive, it starts with a first and 10 at the 621 mark of the fourth quarter. And he moves incredibly well on this play, gets some pressure off the edge, climbs the pocket a bit, keeps the eyes downfield, finds Jamison Crowder deep over the middle in sort of a scramble drill situation to move the sticks on this first and 10. And really, they were sort of backed up in their own territory. So that was a big play. And then on a second and seven, just a minute or so later, throws a beautiful back shoulder slot fade. I think this was to either Crowder or Robbie Anderson, I forget. But just a beautiful throw from Sam Darnold in that spot. Um, they had to settle for a field goal. They had a third and four. He threw an out route to the left that was kind of behind the receiver. So they were forced for a field goal try rather than, you know, keeping that drive alive and maybe coming away for six instead of three, seven with the PAT, obviously. But still, big spot, big throws from him, you know, in the closing minutes of that game to help them salt the way of victory over the Dallas Cowboys. But the concept I want to talk about is Z-Drive. And for those of you that perhaps play Madden, you probably know what I'm talking about. For those that are a bit more unfamiliar, Z-Drive is a concept that sort of dates back to the Bill Walsh West Coast offense. It consists of two route concepts working from one side of the field to the other. In unison, you have a shallow crossing concept. Sometimes that's run by, you know, traditionally you would see Y-Drive, tight end drive, where you've got this... Your Z receiver, your flanker, running the shallow cross three yards downfield, but you know working parallel to the line of scrimmage. So he'd start out wide and basically run the shallow crossing route. And then the drive element and wide drive, you have the tight end get up to about 10 yards and then also come down 
basically running parallel to the line of scrimmage in the same direction as that crossing route underneath him. So you've got the two crosses working from one side to the other, and it really attacks in high lows the underneath defenders. If they come down on the shallow, you throw the dig route. If they stay and get under the dig, you throw the shallow. shallow. Now you've got perhaps your wide receiver. You know They threw this to Jerry Rice, the Walsh 49ers, a ton, you get your flanker with the ball working against linebackers with a full head of steam. That's how you get big plays after the catch. And so that was Y drive. Jets run Z drive, which is the same sort of route concept, but you've perhaps now got the X working on the shallow and then a flanker. They had either Jamison Crowder or Robbie Anderson or Demarius Thomas sort of running that deep dig over the top of it. And he threw, Donald did, that sort of deep dig to all three of those guys. They ran this concept, I think, five times I charted it in that game against Dallas. And at least three times, you know, he threw the dig. Other times he was forced to either throw it away or got sacked on it. But if he's going to have that play called, he's going to throw that dig. So what does it mean? It means you have to have either tight man coverage in all of these routes, which the Patriots tend to do, or you have to have great communication on the second and third levels where if you see this crossing concept, the guy's going to flow in unison. If the linebackers are coming down on the shallow, then the safeties have to be in position to cover that dig if you're in sort of a zone coverage scheme. The problem becomes every once in a while, they'll have a vertical element to this. Early in the game, they had the drive concept working from left to right. So you had a shallow from left to right, Robbie Anderson on the dig from left to right, and they did have a go route from the opposite side. And if you're going to have the safeties collapsing down on the dig route, like Dallas did there, that vertical route can be open. So Z drive is going to be something we will see from Sam Darnold and company on Monday night. Patriots need to be ready for that. That's enough for me. It's time for quality time. We get the Senator, Phil Perry kind enough to spend some time with us that is ahead on the quality time segment on episode 28 of the sco show today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And welcome back to episode 28 of the SCO Show, probably a member of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network family and of course brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation. It's time for quality time. And we got a fantastic guest here to help us break down the current state of the New England Patriots. He's the one and only Senator Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. Mr. Perry, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing great, Mark, and I am ready to spend some quality time with my guy right now. Yes, I, we. everybody loves the quality se- segment. Everybody loves some quality time with Phil Perry. And so we'll start here. Big picture, my friend. What's the overall impression of where this team is right now? So for me, the the story has to be how ridiculously good this defense has been. And not only from a historical perspective, NFL-wise, big picture, but even just when you look at this team and how it's been built over the course of the last 20 years and the different iterations that it has gone through, you, of course, had the the defensive-centric Patriots of the early aughts, and then things changed in 2007. 
And now it feels like we're coming full circle, and this team is built to win with its defense right now. Offensively, in my opinion, a lot of questions, but they have a ton of room for error because the defense is performing that well. So I look at this team and I say, how many NFL teams are built to beat the Patriots' defense right now, which usually isn't what we're talking about, whether it's the Patriots or anybody else in 2019 markets. Well, how are you going to be able to stop the best offenses in the league? Those are the teams we're always talking about as Super Bowl contenders. But the Patriots picked up from where they left off last year, holding the Rams to three points in the Super Bowl, and they really haven't stopped. I asked Bill Belichick about it this week on a conference call, just how helpful the turnover has been in that they have so many guys back to this year's team. And he said, you know, there are certain positions that you look at where the consistency has been incredibly helpful. You know, safety in particular, he said, I don't know if there's a team that has as much experience and consistency as that at that position um, more than we do. But really across the board, all three levels of that defense, there are guys that know what they're doing. And I feel like it's just allowed them to, to start from ahead this year and, and it's shown on the field. You know, Phil, you mentioned the offense. And let's go there for a second because it does seem like to anyone, I think, that there are concerns about the offense and the offensive side of the ball from the run game to even the passing game. What if any of these concerns are fixable and how can they be fixed? I think the offensive line, if we're looking at that, and it always gets overlooked. It's always the the number one reason why we're, we're not sure why a team is performing as well as it is or why it's not performing as well as it should be. Um, I think that is fixable. I, you know, I think you've seen some issues at left tackle. As soon as Isaiah Wynn comes back, if he can stay healthy, and I, granted, you know, that's a big if at this point with a guy who, who simply hasn't been able to stay on the field in his young career, but you immediately get an upgrade at one of your most important positions. And I think the importance of having Isaiah Wynn back and for Tom Brady to go out of his way to mention that guy who, again, has barely played in his NFL career, but Brady's on the radio with Jim Gray on Westwood One and saying, essentially, I can't wait for us to get back our, our, our second-year left tackle who's never played before because they are that badly in need of an upgrade. So that's a, that's a, that's a position where you can foresee a new body coming in and contributing right away. I would say the other spots that, that look like areas that need to be addressed, the solutions aren't that simple. So whether it's receiver or tight end, I know the Patriots would love to upgrade uh, and to, to complement what they already have at those positions with a new piece, with a capable piece, but the answers aren't quite as clear. So offensive line, I think you can fix that, and I think that helps a lot of things. That will help your passing game. That will help your running game. Uh, you know, it won't fix everything, but immediately you've made an upgrade at, at one of your most important spots, and I think that would do wonders for this offense. You know, Phil, you might have just answered this question, but we have the trade deadline loom, and any time a player from another organization either grumbles, like we saw with Keenan Allen, or is mentioned as a potential target, like, say, O.J. Howard, people immediately link the Patriots to that player. Do you think they'll actually make a move at the deadline, or do you think the moves they'll make might be just getting, like you said, Wynn and perhaps Nikhil Harry back off of IR? With the Patriots, anything is possible, and so I love that about covering this team. Anytime right. any name becomes available, whether it's a position of need or not, whether it's a player who makes sense or really doesn't but just has a ton of production, the Patriots are always, always linked 
which makes this time of year fun for us. And, Mark, I, I would be surprised if they didn't make a move. They're so aggressive, and there are so many obvious areas to address right now that it may not be a splash move, but if they didn't make a move at all, that would catch me off guard. And so whether it's adding somebody like an O.J. Howard, who it sounds like probably isn't going to be available at the deadline, or whether it's a much lesser known name like Alex Erickson from Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. it sounds like the Bengals are not willing to deal A.J. Green. Well, maybe they're willing to deal their underused, undersized slot guy that would help the Patriots inside. And if you want to talk about just, you know, pure roles in this offense and, and where they could probably benefit the most from, from acquiring somebody before the deadline, I would look at that slot receiver position. Obviously, Julian Edelman is a huge part of what they do. But if you go back to this past offseason, Mark, and you look at some of the names they pursued and who they didn't end up getting, Adam Humphrey, yep. Cole Beasley, that's still an area of need. I think they want Julian Edelman at that Z position. They want to be able to move him around. They want to be able to play him inside and outside, use that versatility to their advantage. I think they would love to have a slot receiver that they can trust. And, again, that might be a bigger name. Maybe it's Emmanuel Sanders. Who knows? But it could also be somebody that we've never really heard of before but that maybe they've had their eyes on and somebody that they feel like, okay, he's not going to make the – significant significant immediate impact we want but if things fall the right way he could end up being a critical player for us you know I was just going back through some of the veteran acquisitions late in the year at the receiver position for the Patriots and there really is not a long list in terms of guys that they've even gone out and acquired never mind have come in and contributed but you're looking at guys like Austin Colley and Michael Floyd and I, you know, that's not going to get anybody excited, but at this point in the year, if it's not a big name, you might have to be resigned to the fact that the guy they end up adding is going to be closer to the, the Austin Collie end of the spectrum than the A.J. Green end of the spectrum. With a man as popular as Phil Perry, we've got a ton of listener questions, so we'll get into some of those right now. Leading us off, John Limarakis from the Sco Show Slack channel. And he wants to know, what is the deal with Yandy Kajus? His timetable was supposed to be three months. Any word on him right now? So Kajus has been around. He's been in the facility. We've seen him in the locker room occasionally. And what's interesting about Kajus is he is sort of the guy who gets left out of the equation in terms of players that the Patriots could potentially bring back. When we talk about the two players that the Patriots can bring back off of IR, that applies to Patri- that applies to players on the non-football injury list as well. So as soon as Nikhil Harry gets back on the practice field, he would suddenly become one of the two designated players that the Patriots can return. They would have one left, whether Harry plays in a game or not. As soon as you get on the practice field, you do take up one of those spots. But then the other one would come down to, and everybody is assuming it's going to be Isaiah Wynn, and I would include myself in that group. But Yadney Kadus is technically a part of that group as well. I just think that with no training camp practice, uh, really no time in the spring, again, he's been in the facility, but he hasn't been on the field at all. Uh, he might be physically ready at some point during the regular season here, but I think there would be so much ground for him to make up that the Patriots are probably chalking this up to a redshirt year and we'll probably see Yadney Kajus in 2020. And John also wants to know, speaking of Mr. Harry, what are your expectations? What do you think he can actually contribute when he comes back? 
I think he's so physically gifted, Mark. And I know you watch this guy coming out of Arizona State, and the physical skill set is, is so impressive that there are going to be some things that they can do to work him in immediately. And, and I look back to last year, and Josh Gordon was somebody who had several years NFL experience before he came to the Patriots, but he was a big physical wideout that the Patriots peppered with targets as soon as he got on the field. He didn't know the entire playbook. He hadn't been on the field with Tom Brady, but so big, so strong at the catch point, the ability to run those slant routes and box out defenders, the ability to make the back shoulder catch. Those are things that Nikhil Harry should be able to do. And the, the mental side of it, he should be farther along than Josh Gordon was when he came to the team last year because he has been in the building. He has been in meetings. I wrote about it this week after Gunnar Olszewski and Jacoby Myers played as much as they did. Those guys get a ton of reps in what they call the virtual room, which is a small room. Uh, it's big enough that they can walk through routes, but it's a room inside the facility at Gillette Stadium, second floor. The rookies will go up there with Troy Brown, and they'll just walk through plays, and they can get their alignment. There's turf on the ground. They have the yardages marked off, and they'll go through their alignments. They'll walk through routes. They'll walk through situations. And Nikhil Harry has been in there in that virtual room with Olszewski, with Myers, and working on these plays. And so he hasn't been on the field practicing, but he has been getting these mental reps. And so Bill Belichick told us the mental part is not really a concern for them. It's just, it sounds like really a conditioning um, issue right now is what they're going to be looking at. And if he's ready to practice, then he'll practice. But I think he will be able to contribute pretty quickly here because of the skill set and because of the work he's put in behind the scenes. That's fascinating about that mental reps in the, the vir virtual room. I got to check that piece out, man. Everybody else should check that out as well. We got some questions from Mattia Rizzo all the way from Italy. First off, Phil, he wants to know the fullback position. It's part of the beauty of this team is we get to cover a fullback, but we've got two guys on IR right now. Should the Patriots try to bring back Andrew Beck and try him at fullback or just ditch the position for this season? So I had the same thought as soon as we found out Jakob Johnson would be going on IR. Andrew Beck is still on the roster in Denver. He played 15 snaps uh, a couple of weekends ago. And so um, I have not checked on his participation level this past weekend, but he is on a roster somewhere. So you'd have to make a deal for him or you'd have to hope that he gets released and becomes available. But he was working at that fullback spot this summer. I think right now, Mark, you might just have to try to figure things out with the tight ends that you have and see if you can make do with that because uh, unless you can find a fullback that can pick up the offense, and it is, you know, it's, it, nobody's going to get confused with the quarterback position anytime soon, but something that Bill Belichick has told us many times is that that tight end spot and the tight end spot and the fullback spot share a lot of responsibilities in the, the running game, at least, in terms of the types of blocks they ask him to execute. Obviously, they line up from different places but the responsibilities are often the same. And Bill Belichick has told us that tight end spot is, it can be a difficult one to pick up because you're involved, you're involved in so many different types of running plays, but you're also involved in the passing game as well. And you have to know what you're doing in the passing game as well. That applies to fullbacks too. So unless you can find a pretty smart fullback who's been in a system that might have some similarities to the one the Patriots are running, I think it could be a pretty difficult position uh, to fill just in terms of being able to get somebody who knows what to do. Uh, if you can do that, then great. Grab them, bring them aboard. Uh, but if not, you might have to do what we saw the Patriots do in the second half uh, last week against the Giants, which was they would have their 11 personnel out there. They did for the entire second half, and they would motion Ryan Izzo from a spot off the line and into the backfield, and then you had him executing these fullback types of blocks. 
uh, from the backfield. And so maybe that's sort of what we see. We saw Dwayne Allen line up in the backfield and block. Maybe that becomes Ryan. All right, now Matia also has a question about an injury issue the Patriots have kind of had to deal with, and that's Julian Edelman. He wants to know the chest rib injury. Is it a concern? Is it something to worry about? Or is he going to be okay going forward? I think he should be okay. I would just say this is a player who plays a very perilous position, and that specific injury would not be one that that they would be incredibly concerned about exacerbating to the point that he would have to miss significant time if he was out there at all. And that's my understanding is that, yes, this is going to be a pain management issue for him. Yes, it is uncomfortable. And, yes, we've seen him on the field sort of adjusting um, the padding that he has under his jersey right around that rib area. And that's going to be something that's going to take a while to heal. But they just had a nice long break between the Thursday game and the Monday game against the Jets, that should help. They have the bye week coming up here as well. I don't think it's going to be something that lingers necessarily for the entirety of the season. Now, that said, again, he plays a dangerous position and he gets banged around in the middle of the field quite a bit. So I I would say he's probably never going to be 100% at this point in the season moving forward. But he played pretty well the other night against the Giants. And as of right now, there's not a whole heck of a lot of concern that that injury specifically is going to be keeping him out for an extended period of time. What's interesting, Phil, about this defense is a lot of people are wondering Michael Bennett and his role because he hasn't got a ton of snaps. It seems like they use him sparingly. Do you think this is sort of a veteran snap count management situation, or is there cause that his cause for concern that his spot on the roster might not be as secure as we thought? The reason why I don't think this is a, a snap management situation, Mark, is that he played 37 snaps in the opener, and he was on the field for, I believe, 11 of the first 12 snaps of the game. So he was a regular part of the offense, first down, second down, third down, it didn't matter. He was not in a niche role to start the season. And, you know, I know we've been wondering, okay, well, the Patriots were a 4-3 defense. Now they look like more of a 3-4 defense. They sort of changed the scheme. Maybe that happened late enough. Maybe that happened after Bennett's acquisition. Now that that all of a sudden um, changed how often they were planning on using him, I would disagree there again because we saw him used quite a bit in the opener. He was a big part of their plan that night against the Steelers, and we've only seen the snap counts and the snap percentages go down as the season's gone along here. To me, Mark, this is reminiscent of what we saw with players like Jabal Sheard, Alan Branch at times, Danny Shelton just last year. All of these guys were very talented defensive linemen at different positions, but among the most talented players in that position group that the Patriots had in given years, and we saw something similar where the snap counts would go down. Eventually, all three of those players I just mentioned were healthy scratches, and yet by the end of the season, they worked their way back into the lineup, and they were playing pretty significant roles. You can think back to February, Danny Shelton had a tremendous Super Bowl, again, after being a healthy scratch just a few weeks prior. So sometimes for new players in the system especially, it can take a little while for them to figure out what they need to do and how the coaching staff wants them to do it. And I think that might be what we're looking at with Michael Bennett here. I can't really explain it any other way because, again, They wanted him to be a big part of what they were doing defensively from the first game of the season. Now that has gone away. Now the other way you can explain it is, yes, Adam Butler's played great, 
and Dietrich Wise has played great in the snaps that he's been given, so I think that's part of it too. But I think there's something happening with Michael Bennett and his playing style maybe where they've taken him off of running down situations. First and second now, we really haven't seen him, and it's really in these passing spots that, that he's been used the most, and even there, uh, it has not been 100% of the time. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw something click with him eventually at some point in the year where we start to see him play a lot more. Now, Phil, everybody knows and loves you as the senator, and you got a chance. You were down here in the D.C. area a couple weeks ago. Shoot a little promo spot, taking advantage of the landscape <laughs> and the landmarks. I got a chance to check that out. What was it like putting that together? I had to ask you about it. Oh, it's completely ridiculous. I mean, it was exactly what it looked like. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it, it's one of these things where we want to, Mark, be able to establish that we are in town, uh, we're there the day before the game. We're working. We're trying to, to give our viewers, because these pieces that we've done, and Tom Carn was the star of one that we did earlier in the year down in Miami, um, these end up running on our pregame show. And it's just something lighthearted that we want to mix in there to the show to, to maybe give the, the viewers a little bit of a chuckle. And so... Uh, that was a lot of fun. I went to college down in D.C. I love the area. Great to get to go around, walk around, see the monuments, try not to uh, get arrested by Capitol Police right. for, for videotaping um, on, on government property. But um, it was a blast. And I would say maybe the best part of the whole deal was my wife happened to be in town for work herself that weekend, and she came with us for the shoot. She doesn't hardly ever... Uh, get to see me at work and, and doing the, the ridiculous things that I do on occasion uh, at my job. And so the best part of it was the fact that she was there with us for that entire ordeal and the secondhand embarrassment that she was experiencing for having to be with me in that scenario where I'm basically sprawled out uh, on the on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial or out in front of the Capitol and winking at the camera and finger-gunning left and right. The, the secondhand embarrassment that she had to go through that day was just phenomenal, and that made my week. That, that's great stuff, Phil. I love the video. People have to check it out. I'm sure you can find it on Twitter and elsewhere. Phil, let me get you out of here on this. We got Monday night at New York, Jets-Pats week. Early expectations for what we'll see on Monday night. You know what? I think this might be a more interesting game than some of the last few that we've seen, Mark. I, I really like Sam Donald. I know you're diving deep on the quarterback year after year coming into the league, coming out of, out of the college ranks. And I would love to get your take on Darnold and where you feel like he's at in his development because, to me, it's looking like now he could end up being the best of the bunch from that 2018 quarterback class. He just comes back right away and he picks apart this Cowboys defense. The pocket mobility looks very good. It looks like he can make his progressions from one read to the next relatively quickly and throw with accuracy. I really like what Darnold has shown. I still think the Jets' defense is going to hold them back, and they're, even against the Patriots' offense that's battered, uh, not going to be able to stop Tom Brady. But it's going to be fun for me to watch Darnold and see what he can do against what's obviously one of the best defenses in football. You know what's scary, Phil? Evan Silva tweeted this out, and I'll just read you a couple of these. Darnold is almost two years younger than Mason Rudolph. He's two years younger than Baker and almost three years younger than Trubisky. Wow. Yeah. Like, he's going to be good for a long time, I think. And that's kind of scary to think about. It is. And I, I we talked about it um, on Boston Sports Tonight. 
Monday night where we do our overreaction Monday to things that happened over the weekend. And Lou Merlone, you know, complete overreaction, so good on him for, for being way overboard on this. He, he actually predicted that the Jets will win on Monday night, so good, good for him for, for really achieving overreaction um, nirvana there. <laughs> but yeah. I would say, you know, that Darnold, to me, it looks like, you know, would you be shocked if he was the best quarterback in the division? Maybe not next year, but maybe 2021. No, I, I think that's entirely possible. I mean, look, Josh Allen, he had a good start to the year, but he seems to be struggling. We don't know what the Dolphins are going to do. And let's face it, Tom Brady's my age. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what, Mark? I know you can still sling it just as well as TB12 can. So don't put yourself down like Phil, that. Phil, I've got, I've got one good throw left in me. And every time you see a quarterback <laughs> go down, I say, look, I can give you one. I can give you one. So, That's all listen. that matters. Put that one on tape and then watch the phone calls just flood in. I mean, we're seeing some of these guys off the street getting gigs. Josh Johnson last year, for example. Why not me, you know? Why Why not me? Slap it on a t-shirt. I like you. Listen, I don't need to be running any campaigns here. You're the one who should be running campaigns right now. We're going to see you in the league. I can guarantee it in about a month. I don't know if my wife would like to see that. Talk about secondhand <laughs> embarrassment. Phil, great stuff as always, my friend. Please remind everybody where they can see you and what you're doing this year over up, up at NBC Sports Boston. Thanks, Mark. We are loaded up with football shows throughout the course of the football season. Every single night we have a show on at 6 o'clock. So Mondays I'm on with Ted Johnson doing a lot of X's and O's stuff with him, which is great. I'm learning a lot working with Ted. That's Monday Night Patriots at 6 Quick France is Tuesdays at 6. We'll have Patriots Wednesday, Wednesday at 6 o'clock. I'm on Football 6, which is Friday at 6 with Mark Bertrand and Daniel Trotta. Then we've obviously, we've got our pregame and postgame live shows every single game day. So Monday night we'll be on right at 6 o'clock and we'll take you up to the game and then we'll be on again immediately when the game ends. And, and I'll be on there with our guy uh, Tommy Curran and the rest of the gang. Matt Castle's been a phenomenal addition uh, for us this year. Talk about guys that are still getting work. Matt Castle was working out with the Colts earlier this year when they figured out that they weren't going to have Andrew Luck. Now he's on with us. He's been tremendous. Uh, Michael Hawley there as well. So we're having a lot of fun, and and we're appreciating people uh, following our coverage this year. Well, great stuff as always, Phil. We'll get you back on again. That will do it for today. I will be back tomorrow. Connor Rogers from Stick to Football. And yes, a big Jets guy. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about the Monday night game some more. Until then, friends, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.